got some weed, got some water, got everything we need to have a good time. It's good weather, too. Oh, my gosh. Couldn't ask for better weather. (laughs) It's a beautiful day for a grand opening. That's right. In this episode, I attend the grand opening of Parkway Dispensary and Molly's Joint in Tilton, Illinois. The first part of this episode will be the ribbon-cutting ceremony. My apologies for the audio during the ribbon-cutting ceremony. The second part of this episode will be my conversation with Ambrose and Alex from the 1937 group. Enjoy the episode. here to the village of Tilton, a place where dreams could come alive. Yes, sir. Back in the 30s, Tilton used to have a hemp plant at the old General Motors site. I would consider that would have been our first dispensary. In 1937, that hemp plant burnt, which made Tilton probably the world's largest consumption area in the world. <laughs> now, a hundred years later, a man had a dream. A dream to honor his wife. But Paul Offit would be unable to see that dream come alive. At the reality that he preferred. And where some deemed it controversial. That's when Paul came to Tilton Mayor Dave Phillips and told him his dream. Out of that meeting became a partnership. Sometimes rocky, but still a partnership. Village of Tilton would like to thank Paul and his associates for this prosperous opportunity that will assist the village of Tilton in visions that we have for our citizens. They've also proven that Route 1 south of Interstate 74 is prime real estate for development. They also prove that we are advantageous and welcoming to development and business. And for your dream to come true. Thanks again to Paul for coming to our community with your dream. And it was an honor to help make it come true. Thank you for allowing me to say a few words. I'm not big on speeches, obviously, but uh, I'm still dumb from all of this. As I told Steve out here, it's been uh, 
four years ago I started this venture with actually Molly and one of my mentors, Bill and Judy Taki from uh, up north Chicago area. They've helped me immensely on getting this thing going and very close friend uh, Daryl and Alice Jacobs, Dr. Jacobs, helped me get started on the journey before I actually thought about it going to uh, Bill and Judy. So Daryl's getting appendicitis uh, surgery as we talk, so he didn't get to make it. But uh, this village, all the people here, all of our friends, the guy on my left here, the guy on the right, uh, they've helped it come together. And so I ran into Ambrose here probably two years ago when he was kind of dipping his feet in the water, maybe coming down here. And then we had about a year spell and then Ambrose didn't get to do his dream in Danville. And 24 hours later, uh, he calls my friend Bill Taki and now he's standing on my left and I couldn't get a better partner in Ambrose. And Chucky Robinson over here that's been a friend for probably 60 years. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, I don't know what more to say. I think this guy up on the right in the black t-shirt, uh, Marshall from uh, Colorado back in March, and we've been talking about this for the last year, and he's helped it to come to fruition and back and forth between Marshall and I, but, uh, Jackson, I represent the 1937 group. Um, I'll tell you that it's been about five years of, of hard work, blood, sweat, tears, and, and money by a lot of people um, that are all represented here today, and many that aren't. Um, and you know, it wouldn't have been possible without partners like Paul and Marshall. Um, but I want to also, first off, think it wouldn't be possible without you know the support of our significant others. Um, Specifically, Tanzania for myself, my wife. You know, the 1937 group is 
one of the success stories coming out of Illinois Social Equity Campus Program. Um, and I'll tell you that you know, the program in Illinois has been anything but equitable. And so for you know, for us, that's a problem. I think in general, for the market, it's an issue. Uh, however, I've always taken the stance in my life that if you want to change anything, you have to change it from inside. And so that's why I'm happy to finally be here uh, with you all today, celebrating the opening of Parkway Dispensary and Miley Joint. I look forward to continuing to usher in, you know, an era of continued collaboration, you know, mutual growth and prosperity for other stakeholders and social equity applicants that are really looking to participate in this cannabis industry. And with that being said, you know, we're opening up our doors to all the residents of Tilton, Danville, the broader Vermillion County and beyond. Um, we want to welcome you all to Parkway Dispensary. Molly's joint. Thank you. I've got one thing I want to clean up. So for all of you that didn't know Molly, she was a PA at the VA for 32 years. And she served the veterans and any and everybody in her way. And so she come down with cancer after we got married. And went through everything possible in the word, world up at Cleveland to take care of her. And along with that, two years before that, before I met Molly, Donna had the same deal, the same cancer. So Molly, this is why this is in honor of her. So if you get inside, you've got to read the plaques on her, kind of tells a little bit about her. But the big thing is, everybody thinks, well, what's this Molly gal we have to do with it? Well, she made me happy. So Donna, and uh, the bulk of everything that I make goes to Cleveland Clinic for Cancer Research. Today, I'm at the highly anticipated grand opening of a cannabis complex near Danville, Illinois. The complex is located in Tilton, Illinois, which is just south of Danville. Tilton is roughly 30 miles east of Champaign-Urbana, and it's so close to the Indiana border, you can practically see it from here. Within this expansive complex, you'll discover two exciting establishments. First up, you'll notice Parkway Dispensary, your go-to spot for legally purchasing adult-use cannabis. And then there's Molly's Joint, a cannabis consumption lounge for adults. Molly's Joint redefines the concept of a cannabis lounge, offering not just a place for consumption, but a full-fledged bar and restaurant, an entertaining gaming area, and an indoor event space that promises an immersive experience like nothing else you can find in the state of Illinois. But that's not all. 
The complex boasts an inviting outdoor event space purposefully designed to host a diverse array of activities ranging from electrifying live music to delightful community-led seasonal markets. I think it's truly a place where excitement and relaxation will come together. To talk about this exciting development in Illinois cannabis history, I am joined by Ambrose and Alex from the 1937 group. Ambrose, Alex, you've been on the Chillinois podcast before. I figure this is one of the best ways to send out the Chillinois podcast. Please reintroduce yourself uh, to our audience. Uh, yes, thank you. Um, again, my name is Ambrose Jackson, CEO of the 1937 Group. And uh, this is Alex Al-Sabah, the Chief Strategy Officer of the 1937 Group. Now, guys, this is uh, historic in many ways. I've only heard of one other establishment doing this in Illinois. And uh, like I mentioned in the intro, this is the closest one to me. So I think you're going to see my face around here uh, quite a lot. T tell our folks, I, I feel like I did a good job of highlighting it, but I want to hear it from your perspective. Why should people show up here? Yeah, at the end of the day, right, when you come visit our establishments, you're, you're, you're coming and able to get things that you can't get elsewhere, right? Whether it's product and exclusive drops, you know, that we, that we provide and make at our at our own craft growth center um, or an opportunity to just sit down and, you know, consume and, and have fun with your friends uh, based off of what you just purchased. Right. Outside of that, you know, just this whole concept of, you know, having the option, you know, for folks even who don't 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 use cannabis uh, to come in, uh, enjoy a beer, have some food with their friends, hit the gaming area, come to an event. Um, for us, that we think that that's important to continuing to kind of uh, break the stigma around cannabis, right? Yeah. Um, you know, by them being in such, in an area of such proximity to people who do smoke and do consume, it might pique their interest. And in, in, in interacting with those folks, realize that, you know, I think some of the stigmas are, are incorrect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's like what I would hope comes out of that. Because when I walked into your restaurant, it felt familiar and Look, dispensaries feel familiar to me now, but what I mean by that is familiar from like, I try to remind myself of like a layman, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm familiar with dispensaries, you all are, you know, but for somebody else, like I walked in and I was like, this is a, I've been here before, this is a, this is a bar, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. restaurant and everything else. So it's like very welcoming and I think that goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to touch on that. You know, I think it's, it's, um, that was always our intention, right? I think, you know, part of our brand and what we, you know, try to do is just, you know, push the envelope a little bit, be creative. And, um, you know, I think this is a step forward in just kind of normalizing, you know, this type of establishment. Yeah, I think just in general, too, what you'll feel is as you move from one space to the next, and, and it's really meant to, and designed for, so for people to move between them, there is a level of familiarity, you know, based off of the design, right? You know, myself and Jim Riley spent a lot of time just really kind of building this uh, this whole thing out from, from scratch, right? Mm -hmm. uh, from the floor plan to, you know, the interior design elements. When you walk through the front door, what are the, there are several doorways. Just kind of <laughs> tell us about how it works when you come in here. Yeah, so so you walk in, you're greeted by our staff, um, and they, they, uh, they quickly assess, right, what you're here for. You're here for the dispensary, you're here for the consumption lounge, you're here for the bar and the restaurant. And essentially, that, those are the options. It's like pick door number one, door number two, and door number three. Looking around, they're all labeled. Uh, we've got the names right above the door, so it makes it nice and clear. Um, you know, so they'll check your ID, make sure that you're 21 and up, regardless of where you're going, even in the bar and the restaurant, everyone has to be 21 plus. Um, but from there, you know, we really look to try and make this an inviting space. I'll tell you, man, like, 
when 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 marijuana went uh adult use right in illinois like prior to that i didn't visit no 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 dispensaries in illinois like that was my first time checking them out like and honestly i kind of felt like i was walking you know through intake on a fucking correctional facility right like presented by a guy like stiff face with a gun you know he's the one who's accepting your id Uh you get to the next window it's like plexiglass you gotta slide underneath like all of that just felt really unnecessary in an area where this supposed to, where this is supposed to be a, a legal plant, right? Right, right? And so, you know, again, for us, it was it was very much, you know, our intent to create something that was much more welcoming and inviting in a place that you can just really feel like, hey, like this is this is okay. There's nothing obviously nothing wrong with what I'm doing. Yeah, and uh, that's exactly how I would mm-hmm. describe it. I recently, so my little fun fact for our audience my brother just started smoking cannabis i believe he's 22 he's not really done it his entire life and his only experience has been going to illinois dispensaries right Mm -hmm. he didn't have the experience maybe you and i had where we had a guy and and then we migrated to dispensaries or whatever um it was interesting to take him to like a state like michigan which does have a plate like this is what i was going to say this reminds me of actually what a dispensary is go- supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So just to complete my story, he, when we came out of a dispensary in Michigan, he was like, wow, that was like so casual. Like I didn't yeah. feel like it was like the TSA, like take your shoes off, put your hands up, get the yeah, fuck yeah, in, yeah, get yeah. the fuck out. They pat yeah. you down. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. yeah. And then, you know, it makes it kind of even for the people that are, you know, attending the dispensaries makes sometimes feel awkward. They don't want people to see them coming in and out of the dispensaries, you know, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think this is a step forward in normalizing, you know, making things feel a little bit more as they should. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you think? I know it's hard to guess on day one, but what do you th- do? You think it will be a mixture of cannabis curious and and hardcore cannabis, or like, what do you think your crowd's gonna be? I would just say I think there's a lot of excitement, like, you know, around the community, people have been talking about it. I mean, Ambrose and I, we, we had to go pick up some stuff at Walmart randomly yesterday, and I asked somebody, <laughs> uh, you know, say, I just told them what we were doing, and, and they're like, oh, is that for the new dispensary that's popping up in Tilton? I'm like, yeah, it is, actually. Actually, you know? it happened to me at breakfast at the hotel. I was just sitting there, like, eating some food, and it was like two two older white men right there, like, that they couldn't really see me, but I heard one of them say, oh, you going to the grand opening? He's like, yeah, I'm going. I get off at 11, right? And I was like, oh, shit, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had a similar experience. I was talking to somebody at work, and so he's from Danville, and I was like, I'm going to be in Danville. And he's like, are you going to the Molly's Joint Grand Opening? And I was like, you know it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know it. I think there's also just a g- genuine excitement about, um, you know, new things, right? And and I think a lot of the community here has been going to the same establishment for the last few years. And, you know, I think we've made a very conscious effort to have a wide variety of products and SKUs available for customers so that they can actually, you know, get wide access to an array of different products and, as Ambrose mentioned, new products, exclusive products that yeah. we're doing at our facility. And Yeah. I mean, outside of that, too, just, just in general, there's just a lot of support and excitement amongst our, our like, core supporters, right, of 1937 group. You know, there's a, we expect a lot of people to, to come down from Chicago. Um, we actually rented a bus to, to bus our, our whole Helios Labs cultivation nice. team down here so that they can, you know, see what's going on and, and kind of connect and mm-hmm. really see the fruits of their labor in action. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, people have seen you know kind of how this whole regulated market has played out in illinois and how a lot of us you know social equity applicants or minorities have still been kind of left out mm-hmm. um in a number of ways so 
you know, five years later to, to be at this point, right, of just kind of con continuing to push one foot in front of the other, you know, makes, makes it feel good to finally be here. Yeah. Yeah, and I want to be mindful of our time. I know we've got a lot of fun festivities today. I saw uh, you've got your cultivation center. Is that right over there? So, so we actually, um, our partner mm -hmm. uh, in this project uh, is building a cultivation center, which is right there also. Yeah. I was going to say, that's just goddamn yeah. close. Yeah, it's, it's cool. <laughs> once it's done, distance. yeah, <laughs> once it's done, again, this is going to be like a whole cannabis com complex. I don't want to... You know, I don't want to put too much out there, but I will say, you know, we are looking uh, to try and get a developer to, to build a hotel right next door to um, that plot of land. So, you know, there's a there's there's a lot of runway over here. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So I saw you mention in uh, your uh, posts promoting this and I'm even seeing it now. These look like new products. You guys have mentioned new products. Are these some of the selections you'll have new? Yeah. Yeah. I think even the last time we did the podcast, I think we were just ramping up to go live. I don't think that we were actually at, you know, on Correct. shelves with product. So, Correct. so yeah. yeah. So we launched in uh, the end of April, I think early May was the, you know, first wave of dispensaries that started receiving our products. We started with our vape line, which is our, our bloom partnership that we have. Um, we're really excited about that. Uh, we, we dropped our, uh, half gram disposables that have just been flying off shelves and you know we're in 120 stores right now out of 156 dispensaries so super excited about that um, you know the support is is very real like people are out there really you know buying our products it's it's amazing to see our helios labs facility growing and more products being offered uh we, we launched we our get blunch. You one of these uh, blunts, yeah, days. yeah yes. we got we definitely got something for you today cool so we'll get you uh you know some some samples of some of the products but um yeah like we lo we launched our lobo line which is our canagar line mm -hmm. so that's our one gram um hemp rolled glass tip pre-roll with just non-infused pure pure you know high premium high quality premium flour um, and then we have our Presidente, which is a two gram blunt, which actually I don't think anybody offers a two gram product in the state. Um, so that's been a, a very popular one. People are always talking about our Presidente. Um, and then our, our, um, our Lobo Minis, which is our premium pre-rolls. So we have seven um, individually half gram you know, pre-rolls that are uh, put into a Ziploc baggie. And then we have a, a, hum a boost humidity pack. So it keeps the flower real fresh in a soft matte finished box. Nice. Um, and then our our most recent brand was our Old Pal line, so it's more of a a value um, skew. We've got our 14 gram of premium ground flour. It's it's not shake that gets like misconstrued a lot of the times where people just assume it's shake. Sure. Um, but there's no biomass or trim added into that. Just pure cool. nugs that ready we grind down, ready to roll. Yep, comes with a, nice. a pack of uh, zigzags, you know, so on the go, <laughs> just like a ready to roll kind of tobacco, you right. know, bugler kind of patch. Um, and then our two pack of just, you know, half gram value pre-rolls that we have under Lobo. Yeah, I'll, I'll add that, you know, we're in the process of developing a few in-house brands that we're really excited about. Our first one should be launching next month. It's actually a partnership with uh, a Latina uh, by the name of Tiffany Woodman. Yeah, you know, Cannabella Lux. Cannabella right? Lux, yeah. yep. So we're excited about that. We've got cool. some very cool products there, and it's excited to be able to, you know, partner with somebody who's been in the space and interested in getting into cannabis and like helping to kind of create that that bur that bridge and that people know 
Yeah. yeah. Like I know, like <laughs> I know Tiffany. Like a lot of people know <laughs> Tiffany. You know, yeah, yeah, that's right, cool. Right. That's cool <laughs> as fuck. You know, not that like I'm just thinking of somebody else. It's like not that people don't know Mindy. Uh, what's her last name? Seagal. Like people know. Mm-hmm. I, there's she's got the bakery, but she's also we don't like know a really. Her. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got. Yeah, she's a big chef, so it's like I don't know. That's somebody out of the community. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what it's about, right? Creating opportunities for people in our community, right? Mm-hmm. So absolutely. Anything else new for you guys? Like. We got, we got, we got a lot of things. A lot you know? of surprises, got, yeah. A lot of really cool stuff that we're going to be unraveling. Breaking news. We've so, got, yeah. we've got, so, so obviously we've got the Flower Ball, which is coming back, which we're, right. we're excited about. Yeah. We're partnering, um, and a portion of the proceeds go towards our not-for-profit, which we just launched also, the 1937 Foundation. Nice. Um, providing awareness and services uh, uh, for those who have been impacted by violence and have violence experienced violence-induced trauma. And, and kind of helping work through that. Um, so that's something that we're really excited about. And, um, yeah, I think uh, we've got we've got a few things up our sleeves. We're not going to let all the cats out the bag, but, like, you know, uh, we, we just, just let people know we're not stopping, right? Yeah. Just put it this way. The next time that we do a podcast, it, it will be in a different environment. <laughs> awesome. We'll Hell, you, yeah. We'll tell you. We'll, well, that's, that's a, a good teaser. Secret. That's a good mm-hmm. teaser. And we will do another podcast. I've been – I feel like I've – confused my audience when I said, you know, the last episode of the Chillinois podcast. Right, right. It's, I, you know, Chillinois has boxed me in geographically, but also people just tend to associate it with one subject matter. And as you both know, I talk, I mean, maybe you may or may not know, but I talk about more than cannabis. And so I don't want to yeah. be boxed in necessarily. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but anyways, yeah, well, we will be doing another one. So, so just so, so, stay tuned for that. So are you, are you rebranding then, coming out with a different... Uh, yeah, I might be, you know, I might be. We'll see okay. what happens. But, okay. uh, yeah, we're just trying to keep it on the low right now, keep people excited. Okay. But you know how it is. You Cold guys are doing world. the same thing. Well, no, Cold that, world. <laughs> that's, no right. that's, that's good to hear, though, because, I mean, I, I was under the same impression that, that, you know, you were stopping the podcast, period. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, and I wanted to take this opportunity to clear that up because I can see how I confuse yeah I said like st- I just did it wrong but anyways I could learn from you guys about announcements <laughs> wait till the, you know flesh it out before you put it out right um so yeah well I was asking I was asking him is this the first podcast we've smoked weed in here that was, I'm high so I didn't ask that question perfectly I think last time we, last time I think we did well th- no I mean in this in location here. oh yes. yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely now. yep cool fuck yeah well cool very cool. Um, like you said, you know, people have had issues getting off the ground, and you know how I feel about that. We're not going to get into the whole rigmarole, rigmarole of a limited licenses versus open license right, debate. Right. Um, I do want to. I did want to ask you though, because to me, it is clear to me why people do push for limited licenses. We've looked at other states. We've seen that the prices fall, and we see that businesses that people go out of business. Many people go out of business. And so in order to correct that, I've talked to David Lakeman, Daniel Perry, former CROO. That's, this is what we've done. And I recall, I went to your guys' grown in, uh, I say grown in, uh, what was it? It was a cannabis innovation lab and you guys gave a pitch and you- 1871. 1871, thank you. And part of your pitch in order, like the point of the presentation just for backgrounds folks was to get investors am i wrong on that right yeah yeah yeah. and so to make a confident pitch part of it is talking about your business plan and you guys went into depth you went in depth on all of those things 
one of the things though I noticed is that you did mention focusing on limited license markets. So we have a good relationship and everything else. I wanted yeah, yeah. to give you guys the opportunity yeah. to explain <laughs> why it makes business sense uh-huh. to invest in limited license markets. Yeah, you know, so so for me, you know, what I've always said is, you know, I'd, I, there's no other place that I'd rather try and gain entry into the industry in than Illinois, right? Like, this is my home state. This is where I'm from. Like, everything you see me doing is based off of my roots here. And, and every, every area in which I'm growing um, and community I'm tribu- contributing to and industry that I'm participating in is all part of Illinois, right? Because that's where I'm from. And so, for me, like, my focus, like, yeah, maybe we'll grow at some point, but, but really my focus is, really, is right here, you know, more than anything. And it's not about like limited license or not. For me, it's just the hand I was dealt, right? If yeah. I was in a different state, then and it was unlimited license or whatever it is, I would be doing the same thing, but I'd just be going about it a different way. I'd have different challenges, you're right, you know. You're right. It's just like no matter what business, whatever, whatever, no matter what industry you're in, you're always going to have you know changes in the market, right? You're always going to have different you know competitors come in, different regulations and things like that that might impact your business. And the most important thing is you know, whether or not you can adapt successfully, right? So limited license or not doesn't matter to me. I don't, I don't, I don't give it, I don't really don't give a shit because regardless of what happens, like I'm going to be forced to adapt, right? And right. that's what being, a, you know, an entrepreneur is really all about. Right. And I get that perspective, but I was just asking, like, can you, exp- again, I feel like I've done people a disservice uh, by almost not being clear that it's literally just about like, we yeah. want to make money. Let me, so, so let me, know? yeah. So let me, all right. Let me take another, um, another yeah. angle at it, right? And going back to the, um, the point that we started with, with raising money. Okay. Yeah. So you know, if I am interested in starting my own business in the cannabis industry, right, in the, in the regulated cannabis industry, it's it's very expensive to to do, right? Depending on what you're doing, it costs millions of dollars. Right. Right. And so you have to go get that money from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's there are high net worth individuals. There's lots of you know, there's lots of different areas where you can tr- talk like people and groups that you can talk to to try and make a pitch and say, hey, you know, here's what I'd like to do. Here's what I'd like you to fund. Here's what it's going to go towards. Here's going to be your cut, whatever it is. Right. Um, the limited license versus non-limited license from an investor standpoint makes a big difference in their ROI and, and the riskiness of the, of the, of the um, investment and ultimately whether or not they're going to fund it, right? So, right. so like that, that ROI. for me, yeah. Could say that, what that is for her people. <laughs> return, for sure. Yeah, return on investment. Just yeah. for people like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so like that, that's really just what it comes down to. It's like dollars and cents, right? In regulated markets, you see it's harder. It's, there's a, it's harder to get in. It costs more to get in. It costs more to get up and running. And, and un, you know, limited markets, I think it's you know, less expensive to get in, to get up and running, yeah. Yeah. right? And so from a funding standpoint, right, the dollars match that, right? If it's harder to get in, there's less competitors, right? Then there's, you know, a, a longer opportunity to make, more, to make more money, right? Yeah. And I think put another way, I Akili Parnell was on our show and he said that from the consumer's perspective, a limited license market might not be a good thing, but like it might be better to have tons of con- competition for a consumer. But like from a wealth building perspective, it's better to have a limited license market. 
you know? Yeah. Um, because this, I like how he broke this down. If anybody can get it, and there's, then there's no intrinsic value. The license loses its intrinsic economic value. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a, and there's a certain competitive advantage that you have where you know you can only go to so many places. Like for yeah. here, I think there's is there a sunny side over here? Yeah, there's there's one sunny side. But like, but to your point, and you've often said this. I actually I think I share a, a little bit of a similar sentiment. Like I really don't believe the cannabis plant should be looked at. It, the way it is in terms mm-hmm. of like hey this is just a cash crop something that i can use to make money right like just like you mentioned like to- tomatoes like if it was open that would be the best case scenario for really for the consumer for everybody right, right. it's just at that point it's just up to the entrepreneur to say hey look do i feel comfortable am i doing this for the right reasons is this my passion because i'm not going to be a billionaire off of it yeah right i was just going to be a normal job be able to pay my rent you mm-hmm. know raise my kids and like that's my goal Right. And so, you know, personally, I think like that's the way it should be. But at this point, we've gotten so far down this other like rabbit hole. It's, you know, in in markets like this, you know, it's really hard to go back. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, what I'm trying to paint is that people felt I feel like it's been clear from the start that this was baked into it. So like it is the idea that we issue a limited number of licenses to people that qualify as social equity so that they can gain intergenerational wealth, either through the products they sell, or as everybody has acknowledged, they should also be allowed to sell their licenses, just yeah, like GTI yeah. did back yeah. in like 2016. Or, or, you know, another way to look at it is just providing some capital. You know, if it was truly an equitable program, then, you know, helping those social equity folks to actually get operational would then provide those opportunities that you mentioned. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, have you guys seen my what I what I saw with regard to outdoor cultivation? Just in the spirit of that, yeah. What, yeah, what, you guys, yeah. what is your like perspective on that? As a man, you know my my, my my perspective is like again what people don't see is that we're not. I want to give background real quick. Yeah, so ahead. basically, <laughs> the, just before we dive into it, uh, I became aware that some cultivators have been allowed to grow outdoors. I heard it from a few licensed cultivators that had also asked for that same uh, permission. Even craft growers uh, had asked for this permission, and they were told by the department, no, they're not allowed to, and no, they're not allowing it anymore. But I know people that work at these farms, and uh, they've sweat their ass off a time or two in those fields, so they beg to differ, right? So I went out, and I saw the fields, and uh, they they do exist. And um, my, my thing has been like, David Lakeman at a recent presentation I attended said that craft cultivation centers are capital intensive. They're, you know, mm-hmm. climate controlled environments. So much money goes into it. And I've described what I've seen as a trip to Home Depot. <laughs> so some tent poles, some netting, some camera. Yeah, and I'm not saying yeah. you're going to grow the best flower, yeah. but at least some of these people that can't get their doors open, as we talked about at the beginning, some of these people that are struggling, then they could get some money flowing in. So that's the background. What's sorry for that. What's your take on learning that? I'm just curious, like when you heard about that or maybe saw look, it. Look, like, man, here's the, th- the reality is there's nothing equitable about Illinois cannabis program. OK, yeah. like when you're in our shoes and you see different things, what you'll realize is that they don't even treat every one of us the same. You know, some of them are allowed to do certain things and some are not like literally I could I could point to many examples. Right. And one of them, we're sitting in our consumption lounge. There is one consumption lounge in Illinois that is allowed uh, to have a pass-through window on the other side right to their vault. And you could purchase, pay for it, and get your product right in the consumption lounge, right? Mm. 
initially ours was designed to do the same thing because we've already seen that that's in place yeah yeah guess what idfpr said we're not allowed to do that they're the only one that's allowed to do that <laughs> okay you know yeah so so there's there's just there's a lot of examples i can point to in which sure. the current operators are not held to the same standards and in fact the, so, the new social equity ones are held to a much higher standard in every regard yeah 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 i i've never understood why outdoor cultivation wouldn't be you know, acceptable regardless. Like, I'd like to point to the regs and say, like, who made it a rule that you can't cultivate outdoors when that's a plant? Like, that doesn't make any sense yeah. at all, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, the other thing is, like, you point to some of the things that Illinois does compared to majority of the country, and the majority of the country don't have any issues, like testing, for example. Right. Testing is the highest in Illinois that it is in the country, and for what reason? You know, you have many, many other states that have been around much longer, much more um, mature markets for 10, 20, you know, 30 years legally in cannabis. And, you know, the testing requirements are much, much lower, you know, and nobody's dying from any, you know, cannabis inhalation or (laughs) or consumption, you know. So I just those are questions I ponder a lot of times, like why, you know, what's the reason? Mm hmm. Yeah, and they seem like simple things. That's I mean, my only purpose in talking about these things. They seem like simple things. Where like a window, I could see, I could picture it. It would be here, and it wouldn't be that big of a problem. It wouldn't be that big of a deal. And it's like they could just throw you a freaking bone, but they're like being stingy about it. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And so, like to your point, like when you ask, like, well, what did I think when I heard that? Is like, like like literally, like yeah, literally, like okay, like you know exactly, you know, there's not that's not a surprise. Yeah, yeah, yep, hell yeah. So I know one of the things that like that has made you guys successful. This is the only thing that like I I didn't realize. Well, I realized it when I talked to you guys last time that you guys were in the seed uh, program. What does that even? What does that work? What does that work like? What does it look like? So you know when Illinois launched its first round. Well, let me let me speak about the most recent round of dispensary licensing. Right, the uh, application process. Which was that this year? Yeah, 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 55 licenses. Are are you aware at all of, of what the process entailed to actually submit an application? I just heard that they lower How about you tell me? I heard they lowered the fees and uh they maybe add like changed the definition mm-hmm. of social equity. Yeah. Um but Yeah, so so yes, they lowered the fees. They changed the, the definition of social equity to make to make the bar I think a little bit higher. Um but but most importantly, they got rid of the entire application process. What do you mean? Meaning like you had to submit um, all of your SOPs for every aspect of your business. We had to put together a multi-hundred page application that outlined, you know, not just the design of the building, but every every aspect of the operations, the security plan, this, that, and the third, right? Like that is ridiculous. Asking somebody who's never been in the cannabis industry to do that and compete against people who've already in the industry for years, Mm -hmm. right? Like that in itself doesn't even make sense for your social equity program. But the most, the most recent process got rid of all of that. You just sign a few pieces of paper, right? Some yes, no dots, and, like, and like that's pretty much it. Yeah. So, like, they got rid of it because they realized it was fucking crazy and ridiculous and it was bullshit to make us do that in the first place. So the seed program yeah. was, <laughs> was a program to help people through that process. Oh, gotcha. Because, <laughs> well, it's like... I've, as I've described it, you said it's so long. It almost makes the licensing or the application process competitive instead of just like, like let me put my ticket. Yeah, in. 100% was. You had to, not only did you have to do all that, it was after being scored, you had to have a perfect score in order to even be in the lottery to potentially win a license. Right. 
Right. <laughs> Man. You know, and what do you what do you guys think? I know it's unrelated, but what do you think about Let me this is a long question, uh like maybe a 30-second question. So it's like what do you think about New York? What New York's doing? And my question is, I know that it maybe didn't pan out the way that they were shooting for. In other words, just letting social equity candidates start it sounds like the big guys got their foot in the door. Uh but I never really thought about like I their approach was interesting, and I wonder in retrospect, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty, and ironically, that's when it, we, it became legal. But, like, should should we have, like, like, okay, all operators, you can keep your medical licenses, and you can keep your medical patients, but the adult use market is social equity. Like, that's what New York was trying to do. What do you guys think of that idea? Yeah, you guys some I know it's hypothetical. I think I think it's kind of cool, but you know I don't know if you have any thoughts on it. I haven't really been paying much attention to New York's. Um, no. We've been so busy trying to roll out our I our, our yeah. projects, but we, I, had, I like, we had a pulse on yeah. it early, and then re- recently I know there's been a lot of litigation and sure. issues. So, yeah, so I mean, like the way I see it is like you know the concept is called first movers advantage. I heard. Well, so 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 right. the, so the MSOs, right? And I, and I'm not saying that as a derogatory term, a multi-state operator. They have operations in multiple states yep. and seek to expand into more states, right? Yep. You know, I think a lot of them went into New York expecting the same thing that they see when a when a new state goes live and, and with a medical program. You know, to get in early. Yeah, you know, initially depending on the market, you might you might not make money, you might lose money, right? But as a loss leader, once it flips to adult use. Then that's when you reap the profits. You usually get a second, straight. Okay. Usually get a second license on top of the one that you have, you had already, and so and and so you you're like in this great first movers advantage, and you get to build on it and just leapfrog everybody. Like that's what happened in Illinois. That's what they were expecting to happen in New York. And the fact that it didn't happen, like, I think it really like threw a lot of them for a loop, right? How yeah. New York did that. Which again, when I look at, it, I see like, hey, that's good for the consumer. From what I can tell, it's, that's good for the consumer. It's good for you know minorities, and you know, so I I don't see an issue with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, like I say, it was kind of a hypothetical question, but it's never it's something I never really considered. It's like okay, what we did was we opened the market to a limited number of social equity candidates. But I like what they did. They were like, we're gonna we're gonna open up the adult use market only for social equity candidates. But they've also been fucking up, though, because they haven't really allowed any many dispensaries to open. Right. right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then as a result, you have like just illegal dispensaries. Right. 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 And then they they immediately communicated they weren't going to prosecute the illegal ones. And then now they're doubling back. Why? I don't know. You know. What, what do you think about that? Like using like what do you think the enforcement mechanism should be for people that do that? Yeah. You know how I feel about it. I don't the, think the criminal law should be used for it. But agreed. what do you think the answer would be on that? I I, I agree with you. But here's the thing. Like here, I, so I, I saw I watched on TV one time. I saw an interview. It was with uh, a CEO of, of uh, one of uh, the Illinois you know operators, original operators, yeah. right? And I don't know what the context was, but I, I remember clearly like he was saying like like nobody should be in jail for weed. Like the tagline. No one should be in jail for weed, right? Like, so, like, you know, proud to say that, right? But then I thought about it, and I was like, look, you don't actually mean that. And I think a lot of people don't actually mean that because what that means is if you really believe that, Mr. CEO of an of a MSO, if you believe that, then what you mean is you advocate for people to grow as much, right, possess as much, 
and smoke as much weed as they want anytime that they want, right? That's what, that's what you say you're advocating for when you say nobody should be in jail for weed. If that's not what you're advocating for, then shut the fuck up. You know? Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, I won't even say what I was going to say. <laughs> I was Well, I was going to say, it's basically exactly what you just said. The reason I started smiling when you said it, it's almost like, I was like, God damn, that was like remarkably similar to what I was going to say. Yeah, weed is not legal until you can buy, cultivate, use, possess as much as you want, need, or please. Right. So like if you need it, or if you just fucking want to. And if you want to sell as much to right. anybody you want, yep. right? Gift then you, you should yep. not you should not be able to be prosecuted for that. that that's Absolutely. actually what I think New York did right though is the, you know, p- public consumption. Basically, you can smoke anywhere you can smoke a cigarette, you can smoke right. weed, and that just that makes logical sense, you know. Yeah, I heard they're doubling back on that though right now, I feel okay. like. Damn. Cuz there's some loud people that complain about. Cuz the goddamn about. Wendell, Wimbledon <laughs> Open. Did you hear about yeah. that shit? No. no. Oh no. Somebody smoked, they were smoked saying, the joint in the No, they were saying the tennis the so there was the I don't even know if I said the right thing, but there's the tennis thing in New York or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was like just blow back in the air or something. And they said it just reeked of weed. <laughs> and they, I was like, I don't God damn it. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I mean, I could see that being an issue a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bit of a stinky situation at the U.S. Open. It is not because of the action on the courts, though. Some of the top tennis players in the world are complaining about the smell of cannabis. So where's it coming from? News Ford's Greg Sergal went to Arthur Ashe Stadium to find out. Greg. Well, David, uh, less of a mystery here and more, I guess, of just what's the new normal at this big New York event where smells can be a big part of the fan experience here. Fans arriving here at the U.S. Open tell me they can smell the excitement, the sweat, and the good food here. Excellent smells here. You know, the U.S. Open, the food here? I mean, this is, this is, a lot of people come here for the food. But while Rick Marsh was focusing on the aroma of his next meal, some are complaining about a new smell on the open grounds, the scent of cannabis. We have smelled it yesterday. We smelled it yesterday. These ladies from Virginia say the pot smell Tuesday was strong and didn't go away. I don't want to smell that. I'm not a cannabis user. Players Maria Sakari and Alexander Zverev even noticed it during their matches this week here at Court 17. The court 17 definitely smelled like Snoop Dogg's living room. And it's something that we cannot control because we're in an open space. There is a park behind. People can do whatever they want. In fact, Court 17 sits closest to neighboring Flushing Meadows Corona Park, a spot where we saw some folks smoking weed today. I don't have proof it was in the park, but it's seemingly, you know, the, 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 the odor that was wafting in from uh, the park and people noticed it. USTA Managing Director Chris Widmeyer stresses smoking isn't allowed on U.S. Open property. But the reality is that pot is legal here in New York. So that smell is a new fact of life at the U.S. Open. Marijuana could fit into the whole scheme of this. <laughs> so no problems with it. No problems with it. This is New York. The reaction, I guess, depends on the nose of the beholder. Now, this cannabis controversy hasn't impacted attendance here at the U.S. Open. The USTA says it has seen record crowds over these first three days, about 70,000 fans each and every day. We're live at the U.S. Open. Greg Sergal, News 4 New York. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so anyways, like, uh, I, I feel like it's fair to... Just like if I fucking just opened up a restaurant, maybe I get some like 
business citations or something. And look, I, I'm not a business person, so maybe you've heard, like, you're more aware of what would happen if I, or like if I operated without a liquor license. I've yeah, heard of people yeah, doing that, right? Yeah. I feel like that's proportionate. It's, it's about the harm to society that it may cause. It should, like you say, it shouldn't be throwing somebody in a fucking cage. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It should just be like, hey, mm-hmm. man, you can't do this because you're not licensed. Not that you can't get a license. Here's the process. Yeah. What yeah, do you think about fines. that? Like, you know, Cali used to do that back in the day, right? They used to find people, right? And they close yeah. up shop and then go somewhere else, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you think uh, it's effective? Or do you think not really? Just like, I mean, it's it's think like, about it. It's like the war on drugs. I mean, how many billions and billions of dollars has yeah. the government spent trying to like persecute people for yeah. weed? And at the end of the day, it's oftentimes just fueled for, um, you know, enhancing more people's money and pockets through the prison systems. Right. You know, the privatized prison systems. Essentially, the more criminals that they lock up, the more ta- state tax dollars they get. And, but at some point, but at some point too, just like. There is a there is a limit, right? Because if you got somebody who's just growing, you say, "Oh, you can grow, grow as much as you want, sell it," mm-hmm. and like, you know, he laces it with something, and, and somebody gets sick, or he throws a bunch of pesticides on yeah. it, and it's like, like really, like actually not, you know, it's like it's like harmful to right. your health, yeah. right? Like, you know, at some point, you'd be like, "Hey, if you're doing something like will like could willfully like hurt somebody else's health, like that's like probably a jailful Bingo. offense." Yeah. Like Absolutely. you say, proportionate to the Absolutely. to the offense. I think you can get some pretty serious shit if you try to like distill liquor. Like yeah. you can't just start fucking doing that shit. You're gonna right. blow your right. house up. It's like similar to like a meth lab. Right. In fact, uh, it's just funny. Meth distribution is like on a. Ha- have you ever like bought a house? It's like one of the questions that's like they let you know. Like this has not been. A fucking meth. Oh really? I didn't <laughs> yeah. know that. Yeah. Have you ever? Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I saw that question when I when I had bought a house, but then I also recently was watching Breaking Bad, and it was like a joke in that. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. So it's just funny though. Like high risk activities like that, again, proportionate to the damage you could cause to society. You know? Right. Right. So, right. Yeah. Makes sense. I don't Makes know, sense. but this honestly, this society is like infatuated with jailing people. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, like even like. You don't, you're not, like, say they just find you, find you, find you. At some point, they're like, all right, we're throwing you in jail, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And, like, I talked to uh, Chris. He owns the Honeybee Collective in uh, Colorado. And he, that's kind of where we ended up on it. It's, like, not that we were, sit, we're sitting here and agreeing, but it's, like, Cole, what you're talking about is a bigger issue in America. We use criminalization for everything. Yep, yep, In, yep. The, in our freedom-espousing yep. country, yep. land of the free, home of the brave, but we'll lock your fucking ass up if you exercise your freedom to like enjoy a plant. You know? Well, I mean, <laughs> and again, we don't even need to go that far. But also, right. I mean, it's it, it disproportionately affects one group of people more than another. Some people Absolutely. can say that's willful. Some people can say it's not. But going to your point, like then, you know, what's with all the examples of like, you know, black people using their rights and still getting killed, like the right for a concealed carry when they're right. getting pulled over by a cop. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's lots, lots of, you know, examples of just shit like that. It just plays out on a daily basis. Yeah, and I guess to wrap this topic, my perspective on this has always been, it's like, okay, we're doing this for social equity. We're acknowledging that the war on drugs was a failure. But the main enforcement mechanism is the war on drugs. And it's always just been this conundrum for me. It's like, so we're claiming to address the cycle that have been causing, that's been put on these communities Mm -hmm. but we're going to continue to ravage these communities 
Yeah, I mean, it's the same it's thing. So, so you legalize it so that certain people can make a lot of money off of it, and then other people can can still get locked up for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's insane. It's insane. I, I hope that one of these days we look back, just like we looked back on all other fucked up shit we've done in this country, and we're like, why the fuck were we doing that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can't even put yourself... Sometimes you, like, look at some of the fucked up shit that's happened in this country, and you're like, Really? Like, you know, yeah, it's crazy. So I hope this is another one of those things. I think honestly that, that just metamorphosizes into like different, different forms throughout, throughout time. You know, it just looked like something else 20 years from now. Yeah. Well, hey, guys, um, I'm really looking forward to today. I wanted to say thank you for inviting me here. Like I, I like I said, this isn't far from where I'm at. So I hope that you guys are here so that I can run into you while, while I visit. Um, yeah, we'll and I hope here. that I can run into some of you here. Um, maybe we'll run into some of you later today. Uh, but, uh, I guess just to wrap any closing thoughts, it's, you know, on social media, the 1937 group, Helios Labs, Parkway Dispensary, Molly's Joint. Am I missing anything? KVL International. That's right. The 1937 Foundation. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Well, uh, any parting words? What are your, I know this is a big question, but what are your hopes for the future of cannabis, we just went into a big negative topic that deserves to be talked about, and thank you for talking about it. But let's end it on a positive note. Right. What do you What do you hope for the future uh, of cannabis, not only in Illinois but maybe even just in America? We just because we went that deep, you know. I would say in Illinois, definitely more brands and more products. You know, looking forward to you know consumers getting access to more of the more mature market you know products that exist out there and we're we're happy to showcase them and we'll be opening up more stores so uh you know stay tuned for more yeah um so what am i looking for to forward to or for more of you know like so so my opinion is that you're like not we just painted a grand picture yeah, well, what do you hope the future looks all right like? so 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 I, i'll say on a positive note yeah so I don't think that legislation, like you can't, you can't regulate um, equity, right? I think we've seen in many markets that hasn't worked, worked trying to regulate equity. Um, where we think it's going to come is, is from the inside, like with everything you have to change from within. And so, you know, we're really happy about being in a position where we can start to try and do our part to make this a more equitable um, industry, right? And so as you start to see more and more diversity enter, I think you'll start to see more and more collabs, collabs, partnerships, new products, unique things coming to the market, and then just people like continuing to work in a more of a circular economy and helping each other. Yeah. I wanted to ask, is this like your flower and your uh, distillate and your products? Or do you, are you guys partnering with people to do that? Yeah, no, um, we're in phase one of our, our uh, manufacturing and cultivation facilities. So like I said, we've had products since since May. Um, we work with a few select, you know, groups to procure product, you know, Revolution, Arise, you know, some of the top groups in the state. Yeah. And um, yeah, we source product and then, you know, we formulate it, bring it to the market and finish good forms. Typically focused on like product differentiation and product innovation. So like our blunts, you know, that, that was a product that we felt didn't exist in the market so we brought it to market yeah. they're ready to roll you know um, 14 gram old pal of a uh, ground flour that product and then our surf pod disposable product that's very unique and you know the top disposable in the state yeah and the reason I asked that is not to point out that they're sourced but actually to make a point that 
even when you guys do start to grow, <laughs> am I correct in saying that maybe the first few crops, like hopefully they're fucking dank and you're ready to roll, but like every environment's unique. I mean, you could probably speak to this cause you've grown in different environments, but uh, like, I don't know. I get the impression that maybe when craft cultivators start, I'm not even trying to make it about y'all. Like just when craft cultivators start, maybe their first craft or crop, you know, might just be edibles. It might, they might not be ready for flower yet. Or, mm-hmm. or am I wrong? Like, does it take to kind of a while to like scale it up in new environments? Yeah, I think, I think, um, you know, for us, you know, our, our focus is, is uh, a, a genetic library that we've been kind of curating in a menu we've been building for the last two years. And so as we drop like Terp Kings and Kush League, our in-house brands, you know, we'll start highlighting those brands. And in, in the event that there are, you know, any issues with a cultivation crop, you know, um, we can have extraction processes to get it into distillate right. and do other products and put it in other products in our portfolio. So that's a nice thing of having a nice diversified catalog. Yeah, I mean, like, everybody wants to think that they're going to come in and hit it out the park, right, first fucking time, right? So, like, <laughs> right. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, that's that's the way I think, and that's, you know, that's the plan. But at the same time, like I mentioned to you before, it really doesn't, it really doesn't matter because, like, we'll figure it out in the moment based off of what happens. You know what I'm saying? Whatever I deal with, like, we'll figure it out in the moment because, you know, like, that's, that's how we move as a team. Yeah. And uh, I'm guessing you guys are still stuck at like the 4,000 square feet, like everybody else, and that it's yeah. not been clarified to you how you would. Yeah, step it's, it up. it's it's, it's five thousand. Yeah, yeah, 5, yeah. yeah. It is, it's kind of ridiculous that anybody would be stuck at five thousand when, you know, the allowable limit under the law is fourteen thousand, and you know, our regulators have just decided, I guess, not. You know, I've heard them talk like they reference mm-hmm. a process, but then it's like, what are those details? And they don't have. Is that correct? <laughs> That's my understanding, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Well, Ambrose, Alex, I've had so much fun today, and I'm sure I'm going to have a lot more fun. Yeah. Thank you for sitting down with me on the podcast and having a long-form conversation like this. Um, and I'm looking forward to the next one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Awesome. Appreciate yeah. it. All right, cool. Appreciate you, man. Yep. See you guys. Yep.